Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. God, we believe that you're doing something unique, that you're doing something new. God, that you are moving in a radical way. I pray, God, this message this weekend would explode in our hearts, that we would understand to a whole new level how you want us to grow and how you want to use us. So, God, blow up every campus by the, by the absolute power of the Holy Spirit's our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, give him a shout as you grab a seat. Wow. I don't know if you can feel it, but God is doing something new. I believe that God is baptizing us with a fresh burden. I believe that God is taking this church to a whole nother level. I believe God is about to do something incredible. We, we talked about it all of January, our theme verse out of Isaiah 43, that God said, I'm going to do something new. But he said, my question is not, am I going to do something new? My question is, are you going to be aware of what I am doing? So in January, we talked about the new rivers and new roads, our theme for this year that God wanted to do inside of us. In February, we want to talk about the new roads and the new rivers God wants to, that God wants to get you involved with that he is doing around you. Does that make sense? Is our God at work? Is God at work today? Man, he's all around us. He's doing something. So what we've got to do is we've got to get in and get on the new thing that God is doing in others that he wants us to partner with him. And I've got to tell you, way too many believers miss what God is doing in people's lives around them. Would you all agree with that? Just way too many. Let me tell you why. This is what I believe, that we are blinded. Even as believers, we are blinded by believing that our own problems are bigger than other people and their needs. The American culture says this, live in the mirror, focus on you, work on you, take care of you. It's all about you. Advertising is all about you. It's about you. And can I tell you, living in the mirror will whack and jack you up. Is living in the mirror helping America be better, more healthy? No, we're as whacked as we've ever been. Why? Because that's not how God wired us to live, looking in the rearview mirror, looking at us all the time. We've got to notice, and if we'll look around, you'll see people around you that need some freedom in their finances. They're just right around you. They need a miracle in their marriage. People that need peace in their careers or patience with their plans or some kindness and some mercy and some relationships that are teetering on the verge of ruin. Real people with real problems seeking out the real love. Does that make sense? Now, one of our core values is this. We grow how? How? Together. We grow together. It is, it is imperative because the Bible says that we are living stones. Each one of us is a living stone, and we are put together to build the house of God. It's not a building. We are the house of God. We're the bride of Christ, and we need every stone in place connected together. So God has called each of us to follow Jesus and lead others to do the same. Any Christ followers at any of our campuses this weekend? Come on, God behind bars. Come on. And so as a Christ follower, we are called to follow Jesus and help other people do the same. Would y'all agree with that? Now, the Bible has a really spiritual sounding word for that. It's called discipleship. I hate the word discipleship because we've redefined what the Bible says. 
Matter of fact, it's incredible how many words that we've redefined, and so I've had to quit using them. There's an incredible word called stewardship. What does stewardship mean to most people? Money. Stewardship, money is an insignificant part of stewardship. Stewardship means that when you're born again, God is the owner, and you manage everything that you have. It's all God's, right? But see, we can't talk about stewardship of your life because, well, there he is. It's all about money. No, it's about everything. Not just your not just your money. It's about everything. The word tithe. The word tithe, we change the definition. It doesn't mean any more 10%, which the word translated a tithe is a tenth percent. 10%, right? See, we change it to mean giving. People tell me all the time, well, I'm tithing 4%. Well, that doesn't even make sense. But if we redefine the word tithe, then we won't have to. If we redefine the word discipleship, then I won't have to. So we've redefined words, and we're getting whacked and jacked because we don't realize. So there are words that I don't use discipleship, I rarely use. Because discipleship is about me finding a church that will teach me more, that will expository through verse by verse, jot by jot, tittle by tittle, and I can go I can go and learn more. That's what people believe discipleship is all about. So in the American church, depth of discipleship has become about information and not about transformation of yourselves and those around you. Would you all agree with that? It's about me. Discipleship is about me. If you go to a church that's all about you, it'll never make you more like him. That's why it's not about you. It's about him. It's always that. So discipleship is following Jesus, becoming more like him, right? And helping other people do the same. It's not about going to a class. It's not about getting a certificate. That's not what it's about. It's about following Jesus, being closer to him, and helping other people do the same. You say, but that's not popular. It's really hard. It's complicated. It's difficult. So let's just redefine the word so none of us has to. Does this make sense? So i got two questions for you. A, are you following Jesus? Anybody following Jesus? Come on, Campbell County. Come on, anybody following Jesus? And I believe that. That's why I believe this month is going to send us into a whole other orbit in the kingdom of God because we're going to get what God's going to say. We're going to change what we do because if you don't like the product, change the process. Are you with me? I asked my mentor this week, how do I know if the systems that they promise are broken? He said, if the systems are not giving you the product, then the systems are broken. And so, number two, are you leading other people to do the same? Are you leading other people to follow Jesus? And so, it's what we do. Now, I've, I've shared this before, but Michelle and I, we go to CrossFit over in Oak Ridge, volunteer CrossFit. Now, I've got to tell you, I do not go to CrossFit because I like to exercise. I go to CrossFit because I like to eat. I was in South Florida last week at a conference with Coach, one of my mentors, and down there hanging out with Chris Hodges and some guys learning some incredible things. And I got home and I got on the scale Saturday morning and I tried to cast a demon out of that thing. Because <laughs> I don't know where that number came from, but it's not what it said when I left town. It was five pounds heavier. See, I like to eat, man. I'm all about me. Are y'all know, anybody with me or I'm only, come on. So, so we go to CrossFit and we meet a bunch of new people. And so we start inviting them to Faith Promise. 
Well, man, they start coming. They start loving. And Michelle says, let's just start a small group. I said, great, let's do it. So we invited everybody. We got permission. And, man, we, we just started this small group. And it's been incredible what has happened. It's been incredible. You say, well, yeah, pastor, you're supposed to start a small group because you're a pastor. In the Hebrew, the word is bull hachi. Y'all don't pay me to start a small group at CrossFit. We started a small group at CrossFit because we are disciples, not because we are pastors at Faith Promise Church. Now, you begin, hey, what if every single one of us started a small group where we work, where we play, where we shop, or where we live? Holy stinking cow. Oh, my, we'd have to add services. We'd just be baptizing the whole service, all service. This makes sense. But here's where we are hyper-biblically blinded. So we're so blinded. Let me give you the last command of our Lord. It's called the great co-mission because we do it together. Out of Matthew 28, it's the last thing our Lord commanded us. And so if the Lord commanded it, do we obey it? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. This is the last command. He said, that go, therefore. Now, what we've done in the modern-day church in America is we made this a missions verse. This is a discipleship verse because he's speaking to who? His disciples. Are we disciples? Are we disciples of Jesus? So he's talking to us. Go, therefore, are literally, if you translate the verb in this, as you are going, make disciples. As you're going to work, as you're going to CrossFit, as you're going to recreate, as you're going to school, as you're going to shop, wherever you go, make disciples. Oh, no, that's your job. I'm going to tell you in a minute what you pay me for, and it is not this. I do this because I'm a disciple. I do a whole other thing because I'm the pastor. So, therefore, as you are going, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And then teaching them deserve all that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. What is Jesus with us as we are making disciples? It is the job of every believer, every disciple to make disciples. Would y'all agree with that? And you say, but wait a minute, wait a minute. Following Jesus is so hard. Now you're telling me I got to help other people follow Jesus? Is there somewhere, anywhere, somebody can help me and show me how I'm supposed to do that? What the deal? Is there any way? Sure, sure. And can I tell you what? It's in groups. It's in groups. That's why we do it. It's in groups. It's in groups. It's in groups. People say, I'm going to go to that church. It's not deep enough here. You go in a group? No. You got a personal group plan? No. Are you having a quiet time? No. See, I'm expecting somebody else to open my mouth and feed me. Come on. A baby bird, the mother flies away of the baby bird, finds a worm, eats the worm, flies back to the nest, and literally pukes the worm back up in the mouth of a baby bird. You know what I want to do? I want to get my own worm. Please don't throw up in my mouth. <laughs> so every day I get in the Word to get a worm. Because I need some manna, and I need some strength from God for that day. This rocked my world. I'd never seen this. So I'm, I'm preparing for this message, so I go to Matthew 28, and I go to an incredible app called Blue Letter Bible. It is, it's incredible. I'm there virtually every day. So I go to Blue Letter Bible, I click Strong's, and there's a, there are numbers beside every single word. And so I notice the same number between make and disciple 
it was the same number. So I click on the number, it flips right over to the Greek, and it gives the Greek word of the definition. Make disciples is one word. So I said, okay, I'm going to go back when Jesus told people to come and become his disciple. Become my disciple and make disciples is the exact same word. There's not a, there's, it's the same tense. It's the same voice. It's the same mood. It is exactly the same word. See, make, become a disciple and make disciples. If you become a disciple, you're automatically a disciple maker. Well, nobody's ever told me that. I know. I'm doing it right now. It's going to alter your world. Your purpose is going to go to a whole nother level. It's going to be incredible what God is going to do this year in your life. New rivers and new roads, man. I'm so excited. And so here's the deal. It's what we've learned. If we don't grow together, we will grow what? We grow apart. The American church is the only church where following Jesus is a solo sport. I talk to people every day. Hey, hey, I meet them. Hey, are you a believer? Yeah, where are you going to church? I don't go to church. I don't need that. Really? Really? I mean, the Bible says you're supposed to be planted. The Bible says don't forsake this similar. I'll just start rolling off verses. Yeah, I know all that, but I don't need to go. There is no rugged individualism in the Word of God. See, there wouldn't have been a David without a Jonathan. There wouldn't have been an Elisha without an Elijah. There wouldn't have been a Timothy without a Paul. There wouldn't have been a Peter without a Jesus. Everybody, matter of fact, there wouldn't have been a a Joshua if there wasn't a Moses. Joshua's problem is he got discipled by Moses, but he didn't disciple anyone else. And so the Bible said when Joshua died and the elders with him, a new generation rose up that did not know God and did not know the ways of God, and they put it in beef for boogie. It is all of our job to disciple, our family, our kids, and the people around us. Discipleship is following Jesus and helping other people do the same thing. Can we agree on that? So, let me show you how important it is. Are you ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Before Jesus launched his public ministry, the first thing he did was build a small group. Now, let me ask you a question. If Jesus, the Son of God, who could cast devils out, raise up the dead. If Jesus needed a small group around him, you think maybe you might need one? That's four of you. Do the other 1,200 believe? Do you think you might need one? If Jesus needed prayer support and backup, of course. That's that's how he did. Because let me tell you about people. People that run alone run aground. You're going to crash against the reef, and you're going to sink if you're out there trying to do this by yourself. Maybe let me go one step farther. If you're still, if you're listening, I'm listening. It's impossible to go where God is trying to take you without others. You cannot be what God wants you to be. You cannot get where God wants you to get. Let me prove it. Let me ask you a question. Are you ready? Do you have blind spots in your life? What, do you know what they are? No. If you know what they are, there wouldn't be blind spots, there'd be weak spots. See, you don't know blind spots, so who's going to tell you? Well, if you're married, your wife probably, but, (laughs) so who's going to tell you your blind spots? Well, nobody. Okay, so you're going to get weirder and whacker until nobody wants to be around you. I'm serious. So we need people to point things out in our life, amen? As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. But iron's got to get close enough to another piece of iron to sharpen it. And most of us are so far away from people, nobody can help sharpen us. So we can't, we can't 
get all that God wants us to get alone. We can't, there's no accountability. There's no, there's no covering our backside. There's no prayer coverage when we're out there doing this deal alone. And let me, let me show you another thing. Are you ready? Salvation is by who? God. He does forgiveness, right? Man, you ask, he forgives. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's all God. Forgiveness is God's job, right? Healing is our job. See, God forgives because of the blood of Jesus. He heals in a relationship with other people. James chapter 5, verse 16. It's therefore, confess your sins to who? Oh, my. I don't have to confess my sins to anybody. I know, but you're only as strong as your secrets. And so go ahead and keep walking in the darkness by yourself and let the lion eat you while you're still alive. Because that's what's going to happen. I watch people fall by the wayside all the stinking time, begging them not to fall. But I'm not telling, man, nobody. Therefore, confess your faults or your sins one to another that you may be what? That you may be healed. Healed. You've got to be in a relationship to be healed. And what we've watched is family after family, couple after couple, person after person, student after student, give their heart to Jesus and get in a baptistry at one of our campuses. And then three months or three years, they're gone. The FBI couldn't find them. Where'd they go? What happened to them? I'm going to tell you what happened to them. Here's the deal. There's no way around it. You either be long or so long. Now, who gets married? Walks down the aisle and says, man, thank God, born about 10 years. I'm going to get a hellacious divorce. I'm going to hate this woman who I'm pledging my life to. We're going to split everything we have. I'm going to hate her guts. We're going to divide our kids up. So you might get married thinking that. You say, that's the stupidest thing. Well, who, who gives her heart to Jesus, follows the Lord in believers' baptism, and says about three months, well, I'm bailing on this. Why? They've never, because they're not belonging. They're not connected. They're not connected to the body. So I've watched people leave faith promise. And can I tell you, to be honest with you, I've tried to harden my heart to people leaving. Because people leave, right? And nobody tells me, hey, I'm gone. God's doing this. They're just, I'll see it on social media. Somebody will say, hey, I saw on Facebook so-and-so left. Why'd they leave? I say, I don't know. I don't know. My people leave. Michelle, on the other hand, I'll see her cry, what's wrong? Did you hear so-and-so left? I'll say, Michelle, you got to get over that. She said, but Chris, this is our family. Yeah, but that's not how they see it. This is just a place people drop by on the weekend. I, it's my family. Because when I got saved, I didn't have anybody. Everybody I knew was drug addicts and derelicts. And I walked down the aisle at that church the next Sunday morning, and I said, this is my, by, in the name of Jesus, this is my family. And I've not changed that. 36 years later, but that's not how people see it. So they bail, they go to another church. Some people settle on a lesser faith and they're not involved. And other people just give up on their faith altogether. They just go. Why? Because they never got discipled. Now, what we think is, okay, start 10 more classes. Get it. T teach master life. Teach real faith. Get us in some classes. No, that's not discipleship. Discipleship is doing life with people. Are you with me? Discipleship is when the doctor says cancer and you're sitting on a couch sobbing and you're praying together and believing God together. Discipleship is when a spouse walks out and somebody doesn't know what to do. When your kid in the home and it's midnight and one and you start telling your small group, said, my, my 16 year old's not home. Dear God, would you pray with me? Man, when, that's when life change happens. When our lives, man, when things, are y'all with me? 
Does this make sense? Man, I don't know about you, but I'm not looking to be solo. You say, but wait a minute, pastor, that's your job. We pay you to disciple us. I got a good Hebrew word, bull hachi. That's part Japanese, part Hebrew, bull hachi. You pay me to get you to work. It's a great gig. I'm just going to tell you right now. How do you get that? Well, in Hebrews 4, it says, I'm giving out gifts. Some I'm giving the gift of apostle, some an evangelist. I'm giving some the gifts of prophet, and I'm giving some the gifts of pastors and teachers. Why did I give those gifts? So they could teach the body of Christ to do the work of the ministry. What is the work of the ministry? Discipleship. Following Jesus and helping other people do the same. Does that make sense? Again, I don't use the word. Why? Because when I say discipleship, you're in a class taking notes. Instead of sitting across somebody at lunch, loving on them. Does that make sense? Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God falls. The Bible says, and they met weekly in the temple and then daily house to house, taking their meals together, glass of sincerity of heart, praying with each other, studying the apostles' doctrine. And the Lord was adding to their church daily those who were being saved. Well, where, where were those people being saved at? In homes. What were they doing in homes? Small groups. It's just always been that way. It's always been that way. And so many people that, you know, I just feel like I'm missing out, Pastor. I'm, man, I, I don't, there should be more. There is more. Becoming more like Jesus and helping other people do the same. God said we're sheep. That is a dumb animal, by the way. So he didn't make it complicated. Become more like my son. Help other people do the same. But what people believe is, okay, I'm missing out. I need one more great, great fact about God. I just need one more incredible sermon. You've heard enough incredible sermons because we're preaching them here. <laughs> hey, I'm just telling you. Hey, listen, listen. If you won't amen me, I'll amen me. Not a problem for me. See, what we need is biblical discipleship, life on life. Does that make sense? And this is group. We do it in relationship. It's exactly what Jesus did. Are we Jesus followers? Then we do what he did. But it's where, when you do that, it's when you understand real fulfillment and real purpose. Man, your purpose is not your job. Listen, men, when are we going to quit getting our significance out of our title and our job? I don't care if you're a doctor or a dentist. I don't care if you're a painter or a plumber. It doesn't matter if you're a day laborer. It doesn't matter if you're a business owner. Your significance comes out of being in Christ. Ladies, when are you going to get your security? Not from your house, not from your bank account, but when are you going to get your security from being in Christ? Everything flows out from that. Everything. See, we believe being in Christ means I go to church on Sunday morning and I may go to group every now and then. No, no, no. Man, everything flows out. What if every one of us left all 8,000 this weekend saying we're all disciple makers? My job, be more like Jesus, help other people do the same. What if every single one of us went to our job and started a small group? What if every one of us got whatever teams we're on, wherever it started a small group, what would it be like? Would it be incredible? You say, but everybody at work's lost. Thank God. Get them in your group. Win them. That's not my job. Oh, really? Whose is it? Because God put you right there to be an evangelist, to be salt and light right there where you work. Come on, somebody. Man. It's a deal. So, so we did, you know, so 
Now, we're getting ready to sell our house because we're pulling a Dave Ramsey. We're trying to get out of debt. And so I'm doing all these projects. My house is a construction zone. It's a construction zone. And I like projects. And so about Monday at 5 o'clock, I'll be in the office at Pellissippi, and I'll say, man, I'm going to go home and paint that wall. I'm going to finish that floor. And then it'll hit me. Oh, crap. It's Monday. Small group. Now, y'all have never felt that way because see, y'all are more spiritual than me. You say, you don't do that, do you? Oh, I don't know what you're smoking, but you need to pass it around. Because, listen, so what I'll do is I'll call Michelle. I'll text her. Michelle, hey, have you got anything for small groups? She'll say, yeah. I'll say, listen, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to keep painting the living room. And a few minutes later, she'll come to my office, and she'll open the door, and she'll say, hey, pastor. I hate it. I hate it when she does that. Pastor. Do you think God would have you paint a wall or get it into a small group? I said, all right, I'm going. <laughs> but I'm not going to get any reward because I got a really bad attitude about it. So I get in my truck and we go. And then we have incredible food at our small group. Incredible. No, you can't come because then there wouldn't be enough. So, and then... We'll gather around, we'll do a lesson, somebody begins to weep, somebody asks a question, somebody shares a major problem, and we begin to pray and love on each other, disciples, making disciples, and I got in my car with a bad attitude to go there and always leave there grateful that I didn't let the flesh win that day. Are y'all with me? Come on. Come on. In Matthew 4:19, Jesus is building his group. So he's going to the boys, and he's talking to him. He goes to Pete, says, hey, Pete, follow me. Andy, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And what Jesus is doing, he's activating three areas of a disciple. Number one, he's activating the head. He said, hey, come and follow me. I'm the head. Now, that doesn't mean small group leaders are Jesus. It means we follow him. If you're a disciple of his, you've already given. Your, you've already given. Number two, he said, follow me, and I'm going to make you. I'm going to transform you. It's a matter of the heart. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to grow you. I'm going to move in your life. You are never going to be the same because you got involved with this group. And then three, he began to engage his hands. He said, follow me. He said, come and follow me, the head. And he said, I'm going to make you the heart, fishers of men, the hands. He said, I'm going to give you greater purpose, greater fulfillment than you dreamed was possible on this planet. Because Jesus said in Matthew 28, as you are going, make disciples. That means you're becoming more like Jesus and you're helping other people do the same. Does that make sense? Everybody got that? What is the, how do we do that? This is group, baby. This is group. This is group. So let me give you, we're going to have some different kinds of groups. We're going to expand how we do group ministry at Faith Promise. Let me give you four marks of a disciple because the next couple weeks we're going to take those four marks and talk to you about the kind of groups that we're going to be launching. Because we need, we have 300 adult groups, 150 student groups. We need 1,000 groups right now. We need 1,000 groups right now. And that's where we're moving toward, Pastor Kyle and the team. So one mark of a disciple, number one is a disciple encounters God. Through prayer, through the word, a disciple is encountering God. Isaiah 40 verse 8 says this, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands how long? Forever. The word of God stands forever. We, we, are, we are engaging God. Number two, we embrace other people through loving relationships. First John chapter 3, verse 18, little children, let us not love in word or deed. I mean, word or tongue. You know people that love you to your face and stab you in the back? You, you've been there, haven't you? So God says, listen, man, don't just love with your words. Be, put some beat on your feet. Do in deed and in truth. So, you know, 
what, what we did in our group is, is right before Christmas Spectacular, we had a big block party. I fried a bunch of turkeys. We invited everyone that goes to that CrossFit gym. They didn't all come here. They're not all in our small group. The businesses that were around, we, we, we fed them. Everybody in our small group served, and everybody came through the line, got an invitation to Christmas Spectacular. We did that. We just did it together. Does that make sense? Then there, there's a disciple engages. We encounter God. We engage the world around us. In Matthew 25, 40, the king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even to the least of them, you did it to me. When you love people who can't love you back, when you give to people that can't return the favor, when you love people that are down and out and can't do anything for you, you're doing it to Jesus. Does that make sense? So we're going to talk about embrace. We're going to talk about engage groups more next week, give you an opportunity to be a part of that. Because too many promisers are not getting on the new rivers and new roads because you're living this life a solo deal. You're coming by worship. Yeah, I like the music. Yeah, preaching's good. But, man, I'm busy doing my stuff. Come on. See, a disciple, the fourth mark of a disciple, is they're expanding the kingdom of God, not your own personal empire. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and I'll take care of everything else. 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, these things you've heard from the presence of many witnesses and trustees of faithful men, women and students who will be able to teach others also. Four marks of a disciple, four kinds of groups. We want to make it easy to follow Jesus and help other people do the same. Encounter, embrace, engage, and expand. That's the fourth thing a disciple does. That's the four kind of groups that we're going to have. Whatever your next step is in, in Jesus, it happens in a group. On the weekends, we motivate you, we inspire you, we challenge you. On small group, you're transformed. It's just simple. Hey, come and follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. Are you following Jesus, and are you helping others to do the same? So take this card, put it in your Bible, pray this week, especially if you're not in a group. As a matter of fact, next week or the next couple weeks be connect, but you could see somebody at all of our campuses this weekend outside at a green table. They'll, they'll help you. Now, again, because join for a semester. Joining a group is not a lifetime commitment. Making disciples is a lifetime commandment. Are you with me? Get in a group. Get in a group for a semester. If you don't like that one, we'll have to find another one. Because groups are like people. have personalities. Maybe you don't fit in that one. Maybe you need an encounter group or an embrace group, and you're not in that style group. So we're going to help you. Does that make sense? Now, what we do know is God wants you to get in on his new rivers and new roads. And some of you have not gotten in on the new river and the new road of salvation. So you think encountering God and all those things happens just when I come to church. In fact, I'm going to make a statement that's bad theology, but it's, it's correct. Some of you are Christians and you don't know God. You grew up in church and you believe you're a Christian. Because you got baptized, you went to VBS, somebody signed your Bible when you were six. You know, you... You got, they gave you a hot dog or an ice cream cone and you got baptized. Come on. Y'all know it's true. And, and now you're an adult, you're a student, but you say, I'm a Christian, but I don't, I, I don't know that I know God. Does that make sense? It's bad theology, but it's just correct. And so if you're ready to make that faith leap from a religion to a relationship, if you're ready to step in the kingdom of God and have fulfillment of purpose like you did not know was possible, then it's time for you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you say, Pastor, count me in on this prayer. Just, man, I'm not sure where I am, but count me in. Just raise your hand. I want in on this, all right? Okay? Every section, hands. Pray with me. Let's pray this prayer together out loud. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart. 
to be my Lord, my master. I will follow you. I will be your disciple. I will make disciples in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, come on, somebody give God some praise in the house. Now, if you just prayed with me, if you're online, you can click right there, go to the chat room. The rest of our campuses, if you'll pull the communication card out from in front of you, guests and those people that just gave the heart to Jesus, or maybe you need baptism, maybe you need to sign up for next steps, give your name, your cell phone, your email, and check the first box. I gave my heart to Jesus today. We'll follow up with you. We'll help you in your next step. That's what we do at Faith Promise. We're just helping people take their next step. Amen? So if you'll fill the cards out, so we get ready for our, our worship through, through giving. Can I tell you one of the biggest reasons that we went back after 22 years and started taking, started doing offering time is so you could put these cards in. So we just make it simple for you. Oh, you're just about my money. No, we, we care about your heart. If God gets your heart, your money's easy. Come on. Amen. Get bigger. Put some big boy pants on. So, you know, so fill the cards out. Now, God wants you to get on the new rivers of generosity. Because two things that God said that require faith all the way through the Bible is one, take a Sabbath day, one out of seven and rest. When you got work to do and you don't do it, that takes faith. And two, God says, bring me the first part, the first 10%, the first tithe of your income, because it's all mine. I want you to return the first 10% to me. Those take enormous faith. That's just one of the ways we grow. Michelle and I, this year, we will give between 21 and 24%. We work, we've worked over the years to get our giving up. Why? First, just we just love God and we're grateful to what God's done in our life. We feel like we're the most blessed people on the planet. And second reason is because we love the vision and faith promise. We want to sow into that. Amen? We believe God's changing lives. Y'all believe that? And so, so we're about to give. If you're a guest, all we care about is the communication card. We're not going to check, we're not going to stalk you. We're not coming to your house and while you're eating, having dinner, we're just going to send you a card. Send you an email, let you know, hey, we're here to help you. So let's pray, and then we're going to give. God, thanks for all you do for us. We can't even wrap our minds around the, ta- the Lord's table and all that you've done. But God, we're going to worship and bringing back the first 10% to you. So, Father, we give this to you as an act of love and worship. Would you bless the gift and the giver and use it to touch real people with real problems and helping them find the real love of God. We love you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Give God a shout as we begin to give.